Welcome to New Hope's teaching podcast. This is an excerpt from our Sunday morning service. Visit newhopepdx.org teaching for notes, worship, and church announcements. Stay up to date with our teaching series and events by downloading our app. Just text New Hope PDX app to 77977. Enjoy this week's lesson. Hey, how's it going, New Hope? Uh, thanks for joining us. My, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors at New Hope. And uh, since a COVID-19 pandemic hit, we, uh, we have been meeting online. And, and we did so uh, in our commitment to being a good neighbor and to caring for those who are most uh, vulnerable in our midst. But as we have prayed and discerned and talked within our community and talked with many churches outside of our community, we've sensed it's time to launch some in-person gatherings. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's just a quality of being together in person that is core to being human and, and it's core uh, to being the church. Uh, some of you, it, it may be the wisest decision for you to continue to watch online and we will, we will continue with our online gatherings and invite you to do that as long as you want uh, to do that. Uh, but for those of you uh, who are joining us on the 14th, uh, we are going to continue our commitment to being a good neighbor and protecting those who are most vulnerable and listening to best practices and creating a safe environment. So here are some ways uh, that we are going to be doing that. We're going to start uh, by operating at 20% capacity. That means that you'll need to register for services. And when you get there, you'll need to check in. You'll have your temperature check, the kind of temperature gun thing. It's very non-obtrusive, and it's just another way to ensure safety for everyone. As you enter the building, we'll, we'll ask everybody to wear a mask that covers your nose and your mouth. And then we'll also uh, ask everyone to keep at least six feet of social distancing, unless you're with people uh, that you're doing life with. And then we'll have hand sanitizer and cleaner everywhere. And then in between services, we'll also be cleaning the building uh, uh, throughout and making sure that, that for the next group coming, it's, it's, it's a clean environment. So if you uh, forget any of those things or you, you just maybe need some visual images or reminders of what this experience might be, we've prepared a website for you, uh, newhopepdx.org backslash Sundays. If you have any questions at all, you can email us at info at newhopepdx.org. As you can imagine, our team is working really, really hard uh, and, and, and excitingly so to, to prepare a safe environment for our in-person uh, gatherings on the 14th. And we will need uh, lots of volunteers uh, to help serve. So maybe some of you uh, served previously and are excited to serve again. Uh, and maybe some of you have never served. Maybe some of you have joined us since we started meeting online and, and you're ready to jump in. So we, we, we'll take any, any and all comers. Uh, if you're interested in serving, uh, you can go to that same website to find out information on how to serve. And uh, we wanna be a church where we're not kind of putting on a performance or a show for you. Every, that's not the church, you're the church and you all have incredible gifts. And when you're all in the game and helping us, we're, we're a better church. So I really wanna encourage you to kind of, you know, get off the bench and, and get into the game now that we, we have the opportunity uh, to do so. Well, we're in our fifth and final week of our uh, series on the Lord's Prayer. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's a catalyst for your prayer life, that you've been praying it every day, that, that you'll continue to pray it every day. And as I've been promising, we have a unique opportunity today. I get to interview two friends who are New Testament scholars. First, we have 
Dr. Nijay Gupta. You know Nijay, he's spoken at New Hope before. He's a friend of mine. He lives in the Portland area, uh, teaches at churches. Uh, he's got his PhD in New Testament studies from Durham University in the UK. Uh, he is a uh, uh, pr presently professor of, of New Testament at, at Northern Seminary, where I'm doing my doctor, so he's, he's my prof. Uh, and he's written, uh, to date, 15 books, which is incredible. I don't know how he does it. Uh, Nije roots for his wife and his three kids and the, the timbers and, and the thorns. So we're, we're really grateful to have Nije here today. And he has written a commentary on the Lord's Prayer. And then secondly, my new friend, Dr. Wesley Hill. Uh, Wesley uh, went to the, the same uh, school as, as, as Nijay, and uh, he's, he's presently an, an assistant uh, professor of the New Testament, and he is an associate Anglican priest as well. Uh, I'm, I invited my friend Wes to join us because Wes has also written a commentary on the Lord's Prayer. So you have two New Testament scholars, both uh, having written commentaries on the Lord's Prayer. And as I promised you, I'm gonna try to get them to fight and argue, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I think you'll really, really love uh, our conversation. I think that you'll, you'll learn things, but I think you'll also be challenged and spiritually edified. So with no further ado, here's my conversation with Nijay and Wes. I hope you enjoy. How's it going, New Hope? Thanks so much uh, for joining us. I've been really excited about today, and I want to introduce you to my friends, uh, Dr. Wesley Hill and Dr. Nijay Gupta. You don't have to call them doctor, I don't think, if you ever run into them. Uh, I think Wes and Nijay is okay, but uh, these are uh, two friends of mine, and they're both New Testament scholars. And why are they here today to end our Lord's Prayer series? Because they've both written commentaries on the Lord's Prayer. So they're here to correct everything that I've said that's in error this far during the, during the, the, the series. Um, actually, I, I, I got them together today. I'm going to try, as I told you guys last week, I'm going to try to get them into an argument over the Lord's Prayer and see, see where that leads. But uh, I, I gave you the bios already, so I won't go into that. But uh, both of you went to the, the same school, uh, uh, Durham University in the UK. So is there, is there a mascot for, for Durham University? I don't know. Nijay? I don't, I don't know if they operate in that way. It's just kind of the, the purple <laughs> the purple color is their kind of standout feature. Yeah. The, and there course, well, the, the big cathedral up on the hill is sort of the icon, but yeah. Well, uh, there's been many, many great scholars that have come through their programs, and the two of you uh, are included. So let's let's jump right in. So um, both of you uh, have published uh, already. You're young, and you, you've already been cranking out works, which is just impressive. Um, I think, Nijay, you, you've written 15 books to date or something. I don't know how, how you do that. Uh, so uh, I don't understand how the whole publishing thing works, especially for scholars, but um, both of you over this last season or so, last couple of years, have written a commentary on the Lord's Prayer. Um, why? Well, for me, it was because I got asked to. Uh, I didn't I didn't necessarily plan to do this, but um, there's an editor at, at Lexham Press who came to me and said, hey, if we look back at how the church has discipled people uh, in the past, it has tended to be uh, around three different things, the Ten Commandments, um, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. So the Apostles' Creed kind of gives us the story of the gospel, how Jesus is our Savior. The Ten Commandments shows us God's perfect character and his holy will for our lives. And then the Lord's Prayer is what teaches us to cry out to him. And so he said, we need to get these three things back into the hands of people who are trying to be disciples of Jesus. And um, so he asked me to do this little book, and I was excited to say yes. Great. How about you, Nijay? 
Yeah, uh, my story is a little bit different. Um, I wrote a I wrote a commentary in Colossians for a series with Smith and Helwis, um, and then they decided to do a supplement series on on kind of important texts and topics in the Bible. And they asked me to write on anything in the Bible that I wanted to. And honestly, um, the Lord's Prayer has been a special prayer for me since I was a teenager. Uh, it was one of the first texts of Scripture I memorized as as it is the case for many. Um, I, I was also in a place where I really wanted to explore prayer and go deeper in prayer. Um, and so I just always had in the back of my mind, I'd love to have a reason to study the Lord's Prayer in depth. I like to tell people the main reason I write books is for, for my learning. Uh, and then if other people uh, read it or buy it, um, good for them. But I really do it selfishly for my own learning. And I feel like part of my calling is to just pass on what I'm learning to other people. So um, I got a real kick out of it. Mine, you know, includes pictures. I got to pick photographs. So it was great to do kind of a 360 study of the Lord's Prayer, uh, similar to what Wesley said. Um, it's been such a huge part of the Christian tradition. And um, I love kind of being able to read across the centuries on this text. I also love the idea that people pray this every day. Maybe at any given hour, there's someone praying the Lord's Prayer in the world. That's that's kind of cool. So it's definitely something to study. I'm glad that um, more and more people are, are interested who have not had kind of a connection to uh, Christian tradition. Uh, they're they're picking up some of these books and reading them. Great, awesome. Let's well let's dig into it. Um, I am as as New Hope knows. I think a lot of you. I'm in a, a doctor program. Nijay is one of my professors in that. I'm actually taking a class with Nijay right now. He's just pounding me with reading, Wes. It's just ridiculous. I just finished a 544-page book on first-century Greco-Roman religion. Woo! So, but what it, what I've appreciated and what I, I didn't get my first time through seminary and what both uh, Scott McKnight and Nietzsche are, are so great at is contextualizing scripture. I tell our church all the time the the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. And so there was an original audience, right? There was original reception, and both of you in your commentaries do such a great job talking about how the Lord's Prayer originally came to be, how it was received, those kind of things. And we've gone into that a little bit uh, in the series, but I want to dig in since I have two scholars here. Um, and, and you may, on these questions, you may differentiate and in, in, in all seriousness, if you want to have a little argument, that's wonderful, right? As, as long as we're kind, you guys are friends, you'll be kind. You don't even have a mascot for your school, so there, there'll be no fighting. Um, so I, I'm interested, how did, how did, as best we can understand, how did the early church uh, view and utilize the Lord's Prayer? Uh, essentially, what was their practice? How did, how did, and, and, and kind of, I think, then how, what can we pull from it as we see how they used it? So whoever wants to go first. Well, I can jump in and say one thing, and then I'll I'll defer to Nijay for, for the details. But I think one of the really striking things about prayer in the New Testament is the fact that we are joining Jesus in calling out to the one that he called Father. So it's as though we're sort of piggybacking on Jesus. We're, we're doing that in the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see this really all over the place. You see it in the Gospels. Um, as Jesus cries out to the Father, and, and we're invited to say along with him, our Father. Uh, he doesn't just say my Father. He says, he teaches us to say our Father. And then you also see it in the letters, you know, the letters of Paul, Galatians 4, for example, that, that uh, we have the very spirit of Jesus indwelling us, causing us to cry out, Abba, Father, just like he did. Um, so, so I'm, that's what I'm most struck by is that the Lord's prayer is, is leading us into the life of God himself. You know, the life of God as father, son, and Holy spirit. And it's as though we're 
kind of caught up into that. We, we become participants in that, in that life of God. So, um, Nijay, what, what would you add to that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been in many churches throughout my life and some churches, they pray the same prayers all the time using some kind of liturgy. I've been in churches where they think that's wrong, that prayer should be extemporaneous. You know, you have to, it has to come out of your personal thoughts, your personal words. Uh, actually, the early church had a mixture of both. They would have absorbed a lot from the Jewish tradition, praying things like the Psalms, praying the Shema, which comes from Deuteronomy. Uh, Paul kind of quotes from this uh, or adapts this in 1 Corinthians. Um, there would have been other Jewish prayers. I know, John, you um, actually talked about this in one of your early uh, sermons on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, there's something called the Kaddish, uh, which was a prayer that was probably used uh, in the time of Jesus. There's something called the Shimona Esra, the 18 benedictions. So some of this would have been rote prayers that they prayed. I love Eugene Peterson talking about the Psalms as the prayer masters, that if you're going to learn how to pray, you need help. Uh, and um, so some of it would have been formal. And I think that's a good thing. We could talk about that later. Some of it would have been extemporaneous as, you know, I'm reading through first Timothy right now in Greek and Paul just kind of shoots out in prayer and doxology uh, because it just comes out of his heart. And so what we learn is there would have been this mixture of um, prayers that were handed down that were kind of just these great, wonderful traditions to continue. And then it, Christians would have been encouraged as Jews did be, as Jews did also of speaking their heart to God, it would have been both. That's great. Well, let's let's. It's a natural segue, and I can't remember exactly how you said it, Nijay, in your commentary. I think your one of your categories was, uh, "Do we pray it or do we pray like it?" I think was your question. I, I liked yeah. how how that's phrased, and it seems like in everything that I read on the Lord's Prayer, that's one of the the debates. And um, the way I answered, and please feel free to disagree with me because I'm sure I got a lot wrong in the series, but. I kind of said both is what I argued for that. I think there's value of both. Um, my girls and I have been, as I pray for them at night, we've been praying it together. The three of us, which has been beautiful. My girls, uh, Wes are uh, 13 and 10. And mm. so there's power in that, right? I mean, that's just a powerful moment. Just saying yeah. the Lord's prayer with my girls. Um, but then there is, this is, I, I think the word that I saw in a lot of books is model. It, it, it's, it models prayer. It's, uh, I think a word that I used was a, a catalyst. It, it seeds the ground for our prayer life. I also argued, and I, I probably stole this from someone, so please forgive me, whoever you are. I forget sometimes where I read things, but a guardrail. It, it, it kind of serves as a guardrail for our prayers, too. Like, whoa, 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 why, why are we praying like that? That's nowhere in this context. Uh, so wherever you want to go with that, I don't, there's no question there, I guess, but uh, talk about more about that. You're starting to get into that, Nijay, and I think that's where the rubber meets the road with this series, right? Because as we exit the series, my heart for our people and for myself and my family is we just don't leave this series behind. We've been encouraging everybody in our church to memorize the Lord's Prayer and to pray it once a day. So that's where we are. Hopefully, you know, most people are trying that or have tried that, and that, that's new probably for a lot of people. Where do we go as far as implementing it into our discipleship life is just praying it, but also allowing it to model uh, prayer for us? Yeah, I'll say I'll, I'll say a couple of things. Um, you know, if you look at the context of Matthew, the Lord's Prayer appears in two places, Matthew and Luke. But um, if you look at the context of Matthew, Jesus is insistent that uh, saying a certain structure of wording in a particular way doesn't coerce God into doing anything. And you have to understand in the ancient world, people did think that you could say spells and this could coerce a deity to, to do something. 
Uh, and Jesus is very clear. That's not the way God works. He's not this vending machine. He's not a power to manipulate. He's father uh, and he's gracious and he's listening. He'll give to those who ask. So the clearest message we get from Matthew is uh, where your heart's at is more important than saying specific words. At the same time, um, it, there is a beautiful thing in passing on traditions, passing on, uh, you know, just like we have Thanksgiving traditions or Christmas traditions or Easter traditions. Um, say, just like uh, I think uh, we talked a little bit about this, uh, that just as Paul puts in Abba into some of his letters, which is an Aramaic word, even though he's writing in Greek, uh, there is something kind of nice about that. And what, what I've passed on when I've spoken at churches about the Lord's Prayer is something I call prayer duets. So in duet, you have kind of two voices singing. So in one sense, you can say the words because they're the very words of Jesus. You know, this is the voice of Jesus. And at the same time, you add your own, you know, uh, adaptation. And I think N.T. Wright, I guess I stole from N.T. Wright, he talks about like a Valentine's Day card. Why do we go to the store and buy something with a poem on it from, an, you know, from a poet? Uh, isn't that cheap? Shouldn't we use our own words? Well, then you also hopefully write your own words in there. And there's something about the mixture of professional poet, you echoing those words, and then you speaking your own words. I love that as a way of approaching the Lord's Prayer as a kind of both and. Wesley, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know that I have much to add. I, I I would say both as well. You know, it's it's given to us, I think, as a um, a prayer that we can literally pray word for word, uh, and and we have evidence that the early Christians did that basically from the earliest time that we can assess. There's a very early document, probably right after the era of the apostles, called the Didache, the teaching of the twelve apostles, and and it says, you know, you should pray this every day, pray the Lord's prayer every day. Um, but I, I think, you know, just like you're saying, Nijay, you, you, you want to kind of add your own spontaneity to it as well. And, and I think for me, use it as a prompt, you know, as I, as I pray, Lord, you know, you let your kingdom come that kind of, it's like, it's like, uh, opening up a dam and, and the, and the water start to flow. You know, I start to think of all the specific ways in my life and in the lives of people I love, uh, that the kingdom could show up, that the kingdom could come. And so it's, it's through praying that that actual wording of the prayer that, that releases something of my spontaneity, I think. I'm going to follow up and ask Wesley a question. Is that okay? Oh, you take it over. I feel like you're taking over. It's a power grab. (laughs) Wesley, I've always been perplexed and I don't really have a good answer to why there are two different versions of the Lord's prayer. One in Matthew, which is a longer version of the one we're more familiar with, but in Luke, poor Luke, you know, his version gets sidelined and nobody prays Luke's. I don't know anyone that prays Luke's version, even though it's nice and succinct. Any thoughts on how we have Matthew and Luke that are very similar in many ways, and yet you have two not completely different, but but definitely identifiably different version of the Lord's Prayer. Do you have any thoughts on that? And then what does that say about how we pray the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know that I have really any good thoughts on it. I mean, it it, it raises the question of how Luke as a whole relates to Matthew as a whole, right? Which is a huge topic in in for people like us who study the Bible professionally. You know, we we get paid to try to work on problems like this. But I, I do think with Matthew, you see a little bit more, um, I suppose, liturgical rhythm to it. So I, I'm inclined to think that Matthew has kind of taken perhaps a version that was closer to Luke's, uh, you know, Luke's maybe closer to what Jesus actually said 
and Matthew has kind of elevated the language of it. You know, like like you said, Nije, I mean, Jesus probably originally passed this on in Aramaic. And so both Luke and Matthew are translations of it. Mm-hmm. And it could be that Luke is a little bit closer of a translation to what Jesus may have originally said. And Matthew is trying to, um, I don't know, we might say spruce it up a bit uh, and, and make it a bit more poetic and a bit more memorable. That's just a thought. Uh, yeah, another thing I've heard is um, Jesus prayed more than one version of it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it could be both and. I mean, there's yep. no real way to know. But I, I like the idea that there's not one set in stone version. Yeah. Um, even the Didache's uh, version, I think, slightly different than Matthew. Um, that gives us some freedom and not feeling like, oh, if we don't say it in Aramaic, if we don't say it in Greek, if we don't say it in right. a specific language, then God's not going to hear it. I like reminding people. God's going to hear it, not because of what we say, but because of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's that's the main thing to remember when you pray. Can I go back to asking questions, NJ, or do you want to continue <laughs> to take over? I got to save it because the scholar, the scholar nerd meter is going up remarkably. <laughs> I got to like come back in here. Let's let's uh, let's let's do like a, a side question uh, just to kind of lighten things up a little bit. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's been hard for everyone. What has been one or two of your top pandemic coping mechanisms? It could be something you eat or a hobby or cuddling with an animal or a TV show or a band. You can be vulnerable with us. So one or two pandemic coping mechanisms, whoever wants to share. Well, I'm I'm late to the party, but my housemates and I have discovered Shit's Creek. So that's been one of our... Uh, one of our coping mechanisms. Yeah, thanks, Wes. Everybody's going to go Google that and start watching it, and I'll get pastoral questions. There you go. There you go. I'm going to send them to your email. All right. Uh, no, I've heard i got a lot of friends that, that rave about that show, so I've, I've got to check it out at some point. Nietzsche, how about you? I would say, um, you know, I, I convinced my family that we should spend more money on eating out to support the local economy. <laughs> so we've been, you know, trying different foods, um, trying different. Uh, so I had Burmese food for the first time recently, and it was absolutely incredible. Highly, re- It's kind of a mixture of Indian food and Thai food, at least the version I had, uh, which I'm all for. So, so I've put on my COVID-19 already, uh, and maybe I'll, you know, get up to COVID 20, 25. Um, but, uh, we, we've, we've, co- I've coped a lot with some delicious eats, but, uh, again, supporting that local Portland economy for you, John. And, and Nijay, you're, you're a big Cobra Kai fan. And I, I don't know, I got to just part with you there. We tried, man. The, the cheese meter is, it's, I don't know, man. It's like, sometimes I'm like, this is a good show. And sometimes I'm like, I just, I can't take it. It's, it's, <laughs> what, we could argue. People don't want to hear us talk about Cobra but, Kai. But John, right. I hope I'm not spoiling it, but there's a pastor I keep on wondering because of you, DJ. Um, what what is you guys think through your own kind of personal journeys with the Lord's Prayer? Uh, have you as you've studied it, as you pray it, um, you know, daily, or if you do it daily, what what petition? You know, six or seven petitions, depending on how we want to break them down. But which one is most galvanizing for you? Where it's like it's just a natural fit for who you are, maybe in a season of life, but you just love to pray it, and and it's a great prompt, as you said, uh, Wes. And then the other side of that, which one, when you pray it, maybe you pray it with fear and trembling a little bit. Um, so you don't have to both answer both unless you want to, but yeah. Talk I'll, try, I'll chime in and just, um, you know, John, we, you and I have talked about this before about, you know, what about the Lord's Prayer. And uh, as I've been studying the Lord's Prayer, probably the one that stands out the most and challenges me uh, is give us this day our daily bread because um, I've read so much wonderful 
commentary from Luther and from some of the church fathers on this. And there's a quote that I, I often quote in many of my courses, whether it's on the Lord's Prayer or not, because I, it, it just shows how no matter what generation you're in, we struggle with the same problems. And so I'm going to quote something here from St. Basil the Great, who's from the fourth century. And it's amazing how applicable it is today when, he, when he's reflecting on this petition, give us their daily bread. He says, the bread that is spoiling in your house belongs to the hungry. The shoes that are mildewing under your bed belong to those who have none. The clothes stored away in your trunk belong to those who are naked. The money that depreciates in your treasury belongs to the poor. Mm. And just this idea that the Lord's Prayer contains this term bread, which is a simple substance. Um, even for us, you know, bread, milk, we use as kind of the basics. And this idea that sometimes I throw out food, you know, a, a gallon of milk that we never got to or something like that. Um or, or a loaf of bread that went back because it fell behind something in the fridge, you know, and, and I, I hear St. Basil's voice challenging me. There are a lot of people that live day to day. And uh, actually, in John, in, in uh, Portland, we had that bad fire, uh, the bad fires that led to really bad smoke. We couldn't go outside for days. And we were worried about our day to day needs mm. uh, in a way that I haven't really ever worried about. So that 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 brings to kind of uh, to, to just your sensitivities, how we are actually day to day in need of God's care, uh, in ways they understood in the ancient world that we struggle with in our kind of refrigerator or Costco world. So that one continues to challenge me. I, I think for me, um, I mean, there's, I could, I could talk for 30 minutes on, on all of them, but, um, I, I read an article years ago from Christianity Today magazine by David Wells, who's a professor or was a professor at Gordon Conwell. <laughs> Um, and he talks about prayer as rebellion. Um, and what he means by that is like when we look around and see the world around us and we see all the things about the world that are not the way God wants them to be. You know, we see things like Nijay was just talking about, like poverty and injustice. Prayer is us saying to God, God, I don't want the world to be this way. I want you to show up and, and rearrange things and make things different. So we're, we're kind of rebelling against the world as it presently exists. And that's what I think Jesus is saying when he teaches us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the implication of that is it's not being done right now on earth mm -hmm. as it is in heaven. Um, you know, the, 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 the myriad angels of God who are in God's presence are doing God's will perfectly. But here on earth, we can see that even those of us who know the Lord are not doing God's will perfectly. You know, we are caught up in the injustice and the uh, the brokenness and the fallenness of the world. So I, I resonate with that so much. I mean, I think we all, you know, certainly in this past year with the virus, but also just in so many areas of our lives, we're just really aware that things are not the way they're supposed to be. Uh, there, there's a great book about sin that was written years ago, and it was just called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. And I, I think we all feel that deep in our gut and to, to kind of have permission from Jesus to say, I don't have to make peace with the world the way it is now. I don't have to accept the world the way it is now. I can rebel against that and I can ask God to, to uh, intervene and to, and to um, bring about more and more foretastes of, of the coming kingdom. So that, that's the one that I, I'm really resonating with right now.
Yeah, that's wonderful. That continues to be my favorite book on sin. I don't know. I, can you have a favorite book on sin? I guess so. But I, 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 I read that so many years ago, and uh, it's just always stuck with me. I'm sure there's yeah. you guys probably know many that you could recommend, but but yeah, yeah, those are both just really spot on answers. Thanks for that. Let's continue to kind of dive deeper to where this prayer impacts our modern life and even our modern co communities in, in this historical moment. We don't need to spend time going through how a typical 2020 has been and 2021 continues to be, um, you know, uh, compared to other types of history, maybe not as daunting, but certainly for, for, for us Western American mindset folks, it's been, it's been tough on so many different levels. Um, as you pray the Lord's Prayer in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of racial justice conversations, in the midst of political divisiveness, you know, just add to the list. Um, how does this prayer, from your own personal experience, um, how does it speak to this historical moment? I can chime in with one one uh, initial thought on that. I, I remember when I was working on my book and I was working on the forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Um, or, you know, some some translations say, forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who sin against us. And we can talk about the translation issue there. But but I remember being struck by the fact that, you know, if we follow the early example of the early Christians, we're praying for forgiveness every single day. Um, in other words, we never outgrow the need to ask God for forgiveness. There never comes a point where we've had enough. And now we're good. And now we're righteous and virtuous enough. And now we can stop asking for forgiveness. And I think that's really significant. You know, as we think about our role in things like racial injustice, as we think about the 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 ways we prefer to think of our cause as righteous and the other side are the wicked ones, you know, they're the bad ones. Um, you know, there's that famous quote from the Russian uh dissident and novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn, where he says the line between good and evil does not run in between political parties or in between nations. It runs right down the middle of every single human heart. So every one of us is part of the problem. Um, every one of us has a need to beg God for forgiveness and to extend that same kind of grace toward others. So, um, you know, I just, I just think, uh, you know, I, I'm speaking as a, as a white person, you know, we're, 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 we're having to face our own complicity and, you know, white supremacy and, and things like this. And I just think Jesus would encourage me to do that work. Um, I mean, he's given me a prayer where he expects me to pray again and again and again, forgive us our sins. You know, I'm, I'm caught up in the same sinful structures and systems as, as anyone else. So uh, that's just an, an initial thought. That was great, Wesley. Thanks. Um, I, I would just say uh, the, the whole prayer is designed to turn our attention to God, uh, which may not be our natural instinct. You know, we want to escape. We want to, you know, uh, hide in Netflix or, or you know. Um, just pretend things aren't happening. And, um, you know, early on when I studied, uh, started studying the Lord's Prayer, starting with our Father uh, who art in heaven or in the heavens, um, I noticed that a lot of scholars and theologians have talked about in the heavens. It's, it's not so much talking about a place. Uh, we, that's a bigger topic as much as it's it's the place. Uh, it's the place where God's in power. Uh, it's a place of power. And. Um, or it's from a position of power and this idea of, you know, where does my help come from? I lift my eyes up to the Hills, that kind of thing from the Psalms, this idea that um, is it our natural instinct to go to God when we're stressed, to go to God when we're 
struggling with something. Um, and the Lord's prayer is, you know, as, as all Jewish prayer uh, and Christian prayer is designed to turn our attention to God. And um, the, the desire to study, to use the Lord's prayer is really all about um, turning our gaze to God and uh, recognizing his holiness. And that, that holiness really is about his ability to transcend um, all the little things we're worried about uh, so we can see kind of his greater glory. That doesn't mean we have to ignore all the stuff going on, but it does give a bigger stage to all the things we're struggling with. Um, and so the Lord's prayers, you know, continues to help me and just giving me a simple, short way to remind myself that I need to be turning to God when I'm struggling, when I'm stressed uh, and, and not necessarily to some other thing as of first uh, importance. Yeah, that's great. Um, I can't remember which week it was. I think it was week two when I was speaking and I, and I, I did some work on the heaven thing. I think I stole Dallas Willard's uh, definition of, you know, heaven's this metaphysical space where God's will is unchallenged, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's slowly coming to earth. Right. And we want to pray that and live that into our earthly existence, something like that. But in that sermon, I, I really rallied around this word allegiance. And as I'm wrestling a lot and, and you know, it was on full display at our Capitol a few weeks ago, but um, what some people are calling nationalism, this idea, you know, whether you're Christian or not Christian, that uh, political fervor or commitment to a certain nation is your highest allegiance. And I think we see that within Christendom. I think we see that without Christendom. And then go beyond that. We all have allegiances, right? Everyone, you know, uh, the, the David Foster Wallace commencement speech, that famous commitment speech, we all worship someone, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's, that's true. So in that sermon, I try to talk, get us to think through our allegiances, because I think our heart is built to have allegiances. And I think praying this prayer for me is, I, I, the way I framed it that week is I think this is kind of like our pledge of allegiance to our king, it's, it's our way of bending the knee, which is difficult because like we don't know Western democracies, we, we struggle with that king kingdom language, but we're confronted with it every time we pray. Um, talk about that a little bit. What is, I don't, I get, I'm not asking a question. I'm doing a poor job, uh, but, but I, yeah, I'm throwing that into your, your minds and hearts as theologians, as followers of Jesus. Where do you think this enters the conversation? We, I mean, we pray this. I mean, it's a pretty, I love your term, Wes, uh, revolutionary. It's a revolutionary prayer. I think we pray it half-heartedly, so I do sometimes. It's powerful. It's meant to blow things up and deconstruct and reconstruct. So where does that work out in your own lives? As you look out, I'm sure we can all agree with this, and just with sadness, see people just selling their souls to the wrong things. Not that being politically active is wrong. Not that being even patriotic yeah. is wrong. I'm not saying that. But when it takes the highest allegiance, it turns into something evil. And so how, how can praying this prayer govern those things and put them in proper perspective? What does that look like for the two of you? So so one of the people who's helped me with the Lord's Prayer the most is a, a guy named Dale Allison. He's a New Testament uh, scholar at Princeton. And uh, he blew my mind a few years ago. I was reading his little book that he wrote on the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, the way to understand the Sermon on the Mount, and of course, the Lord's Prayer shows up in the Sermon on the Mount. That's where Jesus gives it in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, if you want to understand Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you have to see how Jesus himself lives out the sermon. Jesus himself embodies the sermon. He's the one who performs it, if you like. And so if we want to know what it looks like to, you know, uh, pray something like, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's the prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he was arrested. 
he said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup, meaning the cup of his death and his judgment, let it pass from me. I don't want to drink it. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's what he prays in Gethsemane there. And man, I mean, that's a significant word for any of us who are tempted by Christian nationalism, because Jesus, at the very moment when he could have taken up weapons to defend himself, he could have stormed the, the Roman garrison. You know, he could have started toppling down the, the idolatrous flags of Rome. And rather than doing that, he, he, he lays down the sword and he surrenders his life and he gives up power in order to save us. So I just think, man, if we want to understand today what it looks like to um, to be a follower of Jesus, just look at how he used power. Look at how he renounced it. Look at how he gave his life away rather than, um, you know, performing a riot or, or taking up violence in the cause of righteousness. So, uh, yeah, that's just maybe an initial thought there. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, when you compare the Lord's Prayer to other Jewish prayers, I mentioned the Kaddish, the Shemona Esra, and even the Shema, which is from Deuteronomy, uh, there are a lot of similarities, and those similarities are not a coincidence, but there's one kind of standout difference that the Lord's Prayer doesn't mention a specific, specific people group or a specific place. And that would have kind of stuck out like a sore thumb to the disciples when Jesus, when they say, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer in Luke um, that, you know, what about Israel uh, or what about Jerusalem or what about Zion? Now, I'm not saying that the Lord's Prayer erases that. But I remember reading one theologian. I can't remember who right now, but he was saying the fact that it says our father and it doesn't name a specific you know place or region who's in heaven and heaven is kind of a broader category covering kind of heaven and earth. Uh, it's not praying for the USA. It's not praying for the Middle East. It's not praying, you know, for a regional God. You have to remember in the ancient world, you had a lot of regional deities. Uh, certainly you had, you know, your, you know, Jupiters and your, you know, things like that. But um, a lot of deities were regional and to have this one prayer uh, for the one people of God, uh, from this father in heaven transcends our uh, civic allegiances, uh, our people group allegiances. Um, that's really powerful because it is a prayer for all people. And I think that's, that's, that's something I hadn't really thought about until I compared it to other kind of uh, influential prayers at the time. Mm. That That's uh, really great stuff. And um I'm going to bring the interview to close. Uh, hopefully, New Hope, as you've been listening, you've gleaned a lot. I know I've gleaned a lot. I've been moved listening to these two men who I respect immensely. Uh, I think of your your lied, uh, Wes, piggybacking on Jesus. That's a great lied. And, and just the image, DJ, of, of you uh, giving us a, a duet with Jesus and kind of singing along. That's really beautiful stuff. And there, there's so much more there. I hope you'll go back even and listen to it. Um, we're going to have a, a short little follow-up interview from with the three of us later this week that we'll put out on the question of how does the Lord's Prayer uh, bring us together in a world that's coming apart. That'll be just a little seven, eight-minute thing, so watch for that coming out. I think you'll be excited to hear the answers. Um, Wes and Nije, you've written a lot. You've obviously written commentaries on the Lord's Prayer where can we point people who might want to buy your books and your works and learn from you, podcasts, blogs? Is there a central place? Here's your moment to promote yourself. 
which is the opposite of the Lord's prayer, right? But I'm, I'm asking <laughs> you nonetheless. So for your for your edification and discipleship, I really believe both of you are putting out incredible stuff. So I want our, our folks to learn from you. So where, where can they go? Uh, so I have a blog called Crux Sola, which uh, means the cross alone. If honestly, the easiest thing to do is just Google my name because there aren't that many Nijay Guptas that are New Testament scholars out there. Uh, so I, my blog is a good place to keep track of me. Uh, and you can go to kind of any bookstore website and catch kind of the 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 you know highlights of the things that I'm writing. Um, those are the, those are the the easiest ways to do it. I have a few things on YouTube, but um, uh, you know most people know how to find those kinds of things. Yeah, pretty similar. And and my book on the Lord's Prayer is published by Lexham Press, which is sort of in uh, your neck of the woods, Bellingham, Washington. Um, so if you can go to their website and order it, or you can get it from pretty much any other online bookstore, as far as I know. Uh, and and same, if you Google my name, um, you know things will things will pop up. Great. Well, I'm really, really grateful to both of you. I've learned a ton from from uh, both of you and, and immensely enjoyed your commentaries on the Lord's Prayer. They helped really shape our series. Uh, thanks for your work. You do that work behind the scenes as scholars, uh, and that work edifies the church and it supports pastors. And I know both of you have a deep love and affection for the church and are, are vitally involved. So thank you. Uh, we are New Hope is grateful, and I hope we'll have many conversations in the future. So I think, uh, Wes, you agreed uh, to pray the Lord's Prayer over New Hope. So I'd be uh, honored. And, and I think I speak on behalf of Nijay and saying thank you for having us, too. We, we really enjoyed the, the conversation. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. 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 Thanks so much. Uh, thanks, New Hope. Watch for that interview uh, this week. God bless you. Take care.